uh, you always have, which this is mine. Remember in Halloween when the two kids that Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting, what are they watching? They're watching the thing. Oh my God, they are watching the thing. Hello, boils and ghouls. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of the podcast where we talk about scary movies the scary movie project what a great name for it isn't it really you know what i mean anyway the ultimate in alien terror a research team in antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims 1982's the thing uh i should say john carpenter's the thing because he puts his name above the title aptly named this is our third John Carpenter film, and we can't get enough of them. I'd like to do all of them, quite frankly. But great. I'm ready to jump into it. This is like, um, man, this is like the ooey gooey gore guts monster alien movie, right? So 1982, John Carpenter, good movie. Originally a 1951 film, The Thing from Another Planet or something it's called. I guess They call it The Thing. It's based on a short story, though, I believe, too. Um, which was written in the 30s, right? So Sarah's nodding her head because, of course, Sarah Alpin <laughs> is joining me on this episode while I've been trying to figure things out. Yeah, someone else is helping me, actually. So, Sarah, say hello, and you're, I'm not doing this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to run through these things in my mind. Like, oh, there's someone here helping me. I forgot. Um, we're gonna, She's going to help us talk about the thing today. So, And no, we're not talking about the 2011 The Thing, which I – have not seen and I realized recently is actually a, a, a prequel. It's not a remake. I just caught on to this. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's, I, I'm going to need to hear more about this. We'll get there. But anyway, based on these two things. Okay. So Antarctica, 1982 opens with that cliffs and cold and all that stuff you see. And there's um, a helicopter flying around shooting a dog. And I'm like, this already has gotten off to a terrible start. Because as yeah. we've stated before in this program, you can kill as many people as you want, but we're not killing dogs, okay? We're just not doing that on this, turns out. Well, I've seen the movie multiple times, but it turns out it's not going to go well for the dogs in this film. So then it's this Norwegian. We find it's this Norwegian research team that crashes, and they try to shoot some of the American team that lands with. And then we find out – then they find they, – they go on like a, what is it, a recon mission or whatever, and they find this very bizarre organism. I don't know how to put it. It's like – got human faces parts multiple human faces to it and like body parts and it's and it's this you american like team open yeah it's it's ugh. and so this american team is stationed in Ant antarctica and they're on a research base and it's a bunch of dudes and um they make that it's very evident all male cast i they make it very evident that it's all male they're definitely on their own there the only voice you hear is the woman's voice who um uh, kurt russell Kurt Russell looking like Johnny Damon from the 2004 Red Sox, by the way. <laughs> looking like Jesus himself walked in, right? And um, he's playing chess with the computer, and it beats him, and he pours his coffee or his booze inside of it and just into a computer, which I thought was a great scene early on. Like, okay, here we go. Um, but they are on a research, and they get this organism, and they say, hey, doctor, the doctor there, dissect this thing. Do a freaking autopsy on it. And he's like, well, the inside there's gut that's human. It's like regular organs. There's nothing out of the ordinary about it. Well, it's definitely out of the ordinary because it's a alien life form. 
and it does some pretty crazy stuff. Um, so back to the dogs, of course. Now I'm like, why is it always with the dogs? So this one guy puts the dog back in the kennel, and the organism has spread to the dog, and it kills the dog, and then like kills like three other dogs, and like painfully. And I don't like watching that, but anyway. And so they all come oh. back, and they find it, and they take a blowtorch, and they just burn the sucker, and they kill him. One of the dogs escapes, I guess. Two of the dogs escape. And they realize something crazy is going on here, right? So then later on, they're kind of walking around um, the camp, right? Make sure I'm in, giving the right order here. And one of the guys, um, they have the weird whatever, the body, the whatever the hell it is, in the this thing. room, the thing. <laughs> and it, I know. I, they haven't really called it yet that, though. And it turns out it comes back to life and it eats and assimilates into one of the guys. So what they find out is that this the, the guy doing the autopsy it's an organism, an alien life form that can assimilate to another life form and replicate it and imitate it and basically become it, right? So it tries to do that to this one guy, but they find out about it ahead of time. And there's the great scene where he killed, he's like a half guy and he half has like those giant tentacles and they kill him out in the snow, right? So at this point, they realize they have a problem and something bad is going to happen. So this is when all this stuff starts to happen, where they start to not trust each other and all these things start to happen. And a couple of folks, more folks die off. There's like, what, 12, 15 of them, I guess they are. Um, the one guy who was the, uh, I guess he was the doctor. He just kind of starts, was the doctor I get? He starts to go crazy. And he starts just like smashing up the whole base with an ax, like destroying the computers and the systems to communicate. And he, uh, one of the vehicles and the helicopter, and he just starts to trash stuff. And you're like, okay. What is wrong with this guy? What is going on here? They lock his ass up in a shed because they're like, we can't have you around because you're going to kill us. <laughs> so they realize they got to figure out what this life form is, right? They got to figure out what's going on. They got to kill this thing. So they start to not trust each other and things like that. And if one guy leaves for a while, where'd he go? What happened to him? Where's so-and-so? What's going on here? And as things get deep into it, they find this great scene where they want to do a test using their blood, right? And <clears throat> they figure if they take samples of the blood and they test the other blood, so Kurt Russell's character figures he's going to take um, – what does he do? <clears throat> he takes like a coat hanger or what does he do when he heats a it up? A hot wire. Yeah, and he, he uses the blow, the flamethrower. Yes. Yeah, and he gets it hot. Way too many flamethrowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not enough, depending well, a on – There's a lot of snow <laughs> and it's cold, so you need these things, right? So <laughs> – he does this awesome test where he taps the blade, ties all the guys up first, and they're like, all like, no, I'm fine, nothing wrong with me, no, we're none of us other thing. And most of the two guys are fine at the beginning, and then he hits the blood, and one guy's in the blood jumps out of the thing. You're like, oh crap. And it so, yeah, squeals. Yes, it does. It does. It definitely it's does. It's like a tea kettle. Yep. And so the the guy is the thing, and he they bust out of the rope and he eats the other guy, and it's this crazy, it was like on top of him, right? And I, what was the scene before that with the defibrillator, though? Did I skip over that one first? Remember that? That was a great scene. I don't remember. One guy – I think that's later. I think that's afterwards. I, after, yeah, I feel like yeah. that hasn't after come he, yet, but after I – After he does the blood test, right? So they find – and, and, and uh, Kurt Russell's character, McReady, he ends up burning them and torches them all. And, you know, when you got a thing, you got to kill it. What do you do? You got a blowtorch and you wipe them out, right? It's easy. So he takes care of him, and then there's a scene later. Where one guy says, "I think what what happens to him? Something happens to him." And they end up. Oh, I think he does. He have like a heart attack, I guess. And then they bring him back, and they and they, they have to use the defibrillator on him, right? Mm-hmm. So he lays him down on the table, and the guy's you know he's trying to do CPR, and he's using it, and nothing happens, and he hits him again, 
and his arms go right through the guy's body and like they're like teeth and he chops and bites off both the dude's arms and kills him it's that like scene his, his chest crazy. opens into like a shark mouth meets a venus fly trap yes because he's the thing and he and just totally the chops the doctor that he gets the yep. the guys and he, so his arms are just gone like yep. right below the elbows yep pretty uh gr- pretty gnarly scene and that dude um his head like rips off and he's this big nasty thing and I love it. The scene, this is the part where it's the little guy at the head at the bottom and it sprouts like the eyes and like the tentacles, like the spider. And it runs off and they're all standing around trying to figure out what just happened to the one guy. And this little creature is running away. And you see it. It's a great shot because you see Kurt Russell sitting there and the little character is in the back and it's kind of running away in the, in the, in the background of the shot. And one of the guys goes, you got to be effing kidding me. And, <laughs> and again, how do they kill it? Blowtorch, of course. So at this point, McGreedy's trying to be in charge. He's trying to run things, obviously, because they lock this one guy up. But he disappears for a while, so no one trusts him. But he insists there's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. They'll be fine. And I love you. He walks around with a big stick of dynamite at this point, basically saying, if you piss me off, I'm just going to blow you up. So you pretty much have to trust me at this point, right? So they go back to the shed where they locked up the doctor and the doors open. They're like, well, what happened to this dude? He's gone. So they, they open up the floorboards. And they go downstairs, and there's this whole cave tunnel system down there. And there's a spaceship down there. Oh, we forgot to mention that earlier, by the way. Um, they had mentioned there was an expedition that happened a long, long time ago, like 100,000 years ago, they think, or something. The spacecraft landed. So they go out there earlier to explore this, and they find out a bunch of stuff. So this guy is either rebuilt, or he's trying to rebuild a ship, or he's trying to do something. And, of course, he's one of the things, and they attack him, whatever. Um, so... And then the one guy who I love, um, what's the actor's name? Is it Keith David? Is that his name? He was the dad in Something About Mary, I think. And he's been in so many movies. Oh, my gosh. Uh... He's like his right-hand man. He's the only guy at the end of the film. What the hell is his name? I actually have IMDb open. Keith David. Keith David. Ah. Yeah, Keith (laughs) David. What else is he in? He's in so many movies. Um, But he's in The Thing. This is one of his first roles, and I'm trying to look at specifically what you probably remember him from a lot of. But yeah, he was definitely in something about – oh, he's in Platoon, which is always is a great movie. Um, but yeah, he's in this. That's probably one of, one of his well-known movies anyway. So it's him. I think um, – what is his character's name? He was in Requiem for a Dream too, which is an amazing oh, crazy. movie. crazy. Yeah, that's an amazing movie. Um, but what is – hang on. I'm trying to remember his character because his character, I'm going to try the character by name here if I can. Um, Childs. He plays Childs. So McReady and Childs, Kurt Russell and Keith David. They're pretty much your only guys left at this point, really. And they track this guy down into the cave he built. And, you know, he's going to build this and they realize they got to blow the whole thing up, right? Because they got to end this. And so like in a scene, it's kind of reminiscent of like that movie Tremors almost with the big underground worm. The thing is taking this giant life form and it's going to eat them. It's going to kill them. And it runs to the underground of this building and the greedy lights dynamite and blows it sky high and blows the whole base up. And at the end, it's this kind of like super bleak ending, right? But it's, it's, it's apropos, right? Where they're both sitting there and it's obviously freezing cold. And you realize they're just, they're just going to freeze to death basically because they can't leave because they can't go back to, well, they can't leave Antarctica because they're kind of stuck there anyway, but they'll bring, you know, the virus, the thing with them anyway, 
So they both, uh, I guess they have a bottle of booze to drink and they kind of make a joke and the movie pretty much ends and you realize they're just going to freeze to death out there. And it's like, all right, but it's like the ultimate sacrifice to save humanity or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So this movie is like super gory, right? I, I, I really couldn't do that justice very well. I mean, we can talk about the deaths and whatever and all the monsters if we want to. But um, yeah, this is a good movie. This is a movie that really got panned and really impacted John Carpenter's career, honestly. It, it was, was his not... favorite movie he's ever done. Yeah. But when he first made it, it was not well received and it lost him. He lost work after this because people did not like this movie. Um, so unfortunately, that didn't work out well from the heart. beginning. Yeah, yeah, because he loves it. So he loves like these Howard Hawks movies and stuff. So here you go. Here's your your trivia. Uh, you always have it. So this is mine. Remember in Halloween when the two kids that Jamie Lee Curtis is babysitting, what are they watching? They're watching the thing. Oh my god, they are watching the thing. Yep. At the end, and now the terrifying conclusion of the thing. That's the voice on TV when they're watching it, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Because John Carpenter, John Carpenter loves Howard Hawks and he loves the thing, so he, that was his homage to it in Halloween. So that's really cool. And he used the same. Uh, if you look at the film, he used the same font, the thing, the same writing is in both movies too. So that's that's your one trivia there. So this impacted him, unfortunately, and it was really too bad because it's one of these films that, like so many of these films is panned when it's around. And then 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, oh, The Thing. It's the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it all this always happens. I mean, Halloween, not loved. It got some buzz. Now it's, you know, amazing, right? But yeah, it's so interesting. So yeah, it, it did not do well and it was bad for him. And But anyway, we love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love to talk about some of the gory scenes. Like, I don't want to talk about the dogs because I don't like doing that, but... Um, well, but we do have to kind of address at least the one there. There were a couple things that I felt were a, address worthy about the dogs. First of all, right. the dog actor Jed. Yes, he's like lived to be like twenty years old. He was a service dog, right, or something, or a movie yes, actor and dog. He's like magical. Never once did yeah. he look at the camera. They did all of his takes in four takes. Like he didn't have to do any more than that. Which is good I, boy is unheard of for a dog actor just to be that's clear one of the things here. they tell you like the three things to never do in a movie never work with animals never work with children never shoot on a boat yeah so they did one of those <laughs> yep yeah um and he did such a good job he was such a good boy but um yeah. the the moment when they put the dog into the kennel yeah. um well actually there are two important things okay first before they put the dog in the kennel Back up, Sarah. Don't get too excited. Um, so you know when, like the like the dog is walking down the hallway, yep. and then someone beckons the dog into the room, yeah. but you don't know who it is. It's a shadow. You only see the shadow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So John Carpenter. This is where he's so brilliant, and it he's, took he's everything in me not to use the F word there, just for everyone's reference on how I feel about this. Okay. But it's so brilliant because he didn't want us to have any indication as the audience to who it might be. So he right. used a non-actor to be the shadow, so that you wouldn't even Was be able to his... identify body type. Was it his – I heard – okay, I think I did because I also think the same person was the person you, for the needles scene, right? When they were like shooting – they're taking the blood or something. 
It was oh, like maybe. a sound guy or something like that. Yes, I think I've heard this. I think I've heard. I this. okay. I don't have that trivia, but no, that, um, that, that's a wonderful idea. Then yeah, then you're you're totally you have yeah you have no idea who it is, right? No idea. It was so great. I just love it. I love when like when yep. you commit to that level, when you are thinking yeah. to that level of depth, because yeah. that was I literally was watching that scene and I was like, I'm gonna figure out who this is. Yeah. And good, right? I was like hawk watching it, trying to figure it out. And I was like, that is not anyone in this cast. And it's right. also slightly diagonal, the way that the light source is casting the shadow. Anyway, see, then when yeah, they, the I know, right? So then they put the dog into the kennel because um, somebody, I don't remember which person says, why is this dog not well, in the si kennel? Yeah, they're sitting there playing poker or whatever. And he's like, get the dog out of here or something. Yeah, yeah he's like, why isn't the dog in the kennel? Like, who's who's giving this dog special <laughs> treatment? So they take the dog to the kennel. And then it's fine for like an eighth of a second till the human walks away. And then as soon um, as, yeah. <laughs> and, then it, and then like all of the other dogs are immediately like they were sleeping in what I call tipped cow position, which is when yep. the dog is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they immediately get into like sternal, like they were ready mean to pounce. And nasty. Oh yeah. Um, and the one dog that's kind of behind actually pulls the chicken wire off. Bites, starts biting the wire off. Yes. Yeah, I I hated watching that scene though because I don't. I see hated that. it so much yeah. because the acting it. was so good. It's like it's 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 amazing because you know that would be a per if a person was in that room and it's all you'd be ripping the and the the poor dog is doing the same thing a person when they're trying to escape yeah. something. They know yeah. what's going on. They know this is oh, terrible. Yeah. So anyway, I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't either. But it, I you just have to like acknowledge what great acting it was, it was by well the done. dogs. <laughs> It was well done. Yes, it was. Um, yes, it even was. though it, it's just absolutely brutal to watch it. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Um, so, and then, of course, like the crazy effects, which oh, um, I I have two trivia things because, of course, you know, I always am going to bring trivia. Um, so the sound editor, Colin C. Moat. Hopefully not butchering. Don't know his um, name. He achieved the dog cries in that film by rounding up all of the neighborhood dogs that lived near him and then placing them in his house. And he, quote unquote, furtively stalked around in a dark trench coat, tapping, um, tapping on the windows to rattle them and frighten them. So he like... Um, actually like those are all real, like, I thought that was like a, such yeah, a yeah, yeah. interesting actually, way trying to, to like, trying to elicit actual responses like real life. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that, that's a great idea. Yeah. Why? Isn't that crazy? Why not? Why not? Um, that's very cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, and sound design is, it's huge. Oh my God. And the other crazy sound design thing I brought, which I know I'm, I am totally derailing myself, but, mm. um, the nope. autopsy scene where this, yeah. the face split thing happens was accomplished with paper towels soaked in an egg yolk. Nice. Like the I, sound. I, of I, it. I love to hear how these <laughs> things happen. This is no, this is, I, I love, you know, cause the way they do these sound effects, you think they have these fancy machines and every to the reality is like 
the exorcist stuff, the sounds of, you know, it's bees in a jar and it's like, it's, you know, the, the Texas chainsaw master, the awful music is, well, I love it, but it's a tuning fork on a piano. Like it's, it, it, it's not expensive stuff. It's, it's done with nothing. It, that, that's how this stuff is done. It's just done with yeah. like purely focusing on your hearing and, and removing all the other senses and, and intuition. It's just brilliant. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, and the visual effects, which is where I was um, going with the dog scene when I mm -hmm. before I derailed myself into the audio. Um, Love it. So this it show is, is all about derailments. <laughs> <laughs> Tangents, derailments. <laughs> sidebars i love it it's one of the reasons one of the many reasons i love this scary movie project. and one of our favorite derailments to talk about on the show other guests is the amityville horror if you ever <laughs> want to talk about that just go into talking about that that's half the time what we what we have sidebars about so feel free to do that <laughs> oh my god okay so this was considered a benchmark in special makeup effects um yeah. and this blew my mind a bit. So the effects were created by Rob. Again, if I'm butchering your name, I apologize. Reach out to Matt and yell at him before you come on the show. Um, <laughs> and be in a wonderful guest. I gotta um, take the heat. He'll, he'll direct you over to me. Um, oh, so wow. the effects were created by Rob Botten, who was only 22 when he started Are this project. Are you serious? My goodness. That's amazing. I mean, think about like in 1982. That's a that's bananas. Amazing. Good, well, good for him. Clearly, it worked. So, I that yeah. just blew my mind. I mean, think about like awesome. at 22 years old, like the level of creativity involved yeah. in this, and it really was at that time. It was super cutting edge. It holds up. Yes, oh, absolutely. And that is something. Oh, there's there's no part of that movie where I sit there and go, man, that's 1982. No, that that doesn't happen at all in that movie. Not at all. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think. In my heart, I had trouble watching the dog scene, but that has nothing to do. Well, with... no, that that's got that could be <laughs> that. Yeah, forget that. That right. would be the case in any. That's any movie. Yeah. Literally, my first note was. Why did Matt make me watch a movie where a dog is getting shot at in the opening? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I don't, you know what you can, you know what? Um, it's just, it's, it's just part of the game as they say. I know. <laughs> no. It's not actually a dog though. That's the thing. It is the thing. It is not. I, I know. A dog. We know. We know. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry, I don't want to take away uh, all of the stuff to go into my no. super overly <laughs> excited trivia. But um, I loved this movie. I thought it was mm -hmm, really well good, done. Right? Yeah. I thought they did such a good job, um, like not to seem like I'm an expert in this in any sort of way, but they did a really good job with Kurt Russell's character with making him like very clearly a Vietnam vet who was like not reactive to the blood, who was just angry and kind of over it and like yeah. has insomnia and right. a drinking problem, which is actually not uncommon in some of those stations that um, those like isolated stations. So that's the, the interesting thing. I'm just going to, I'm going to totally interject is um, that's what the major, well, you know what? 
uh, I'll wait till the end because I'll go on my tangent there. Oh, we'll no, my, I was done. <laughs> I was teeing you up. Well, you were saying, you know, those those places like that, especially like alcohol, especially um, a lot of places in Alaska and a lot of these like um, towns where it's still a lot of native population, alcohol is illegal in a lot of places. And that's for good reason, because it leads to you know, a lot of bad things, at least to suicides and things like that. Another, another story. But in a research base like that, you can't have anything around you like that because it'll make you nuts. But yeah, what this movie's about, it's about an alien monster, but it's about fear and distrust and isolation and paranoia. That's what this movie's about. Um, when that guy, the, um, the, uh, uh, the doctor, whatever it is, I forget his character's name now, starts smashing up the room and all the stuff. I mean, what movie were you thinking of right away? The Shining. Of course. Jack Nicholson destroying the snowcat and pulling the distributor out and go check it out. And that was yeah. just coming. That was, that's exactly what that was. And that was only, you know, the thing is only a year or two later than that. That's right there. And then it's, yeah. And it's, and the isolation of this place they're in this. And, and again, the cold, like the shining, it's freezing cold. You're in the middle of nowhere. Antarctica is not exactly very accessible. Right. Um, especially 40 some odd years ago. So, yeah. That's plays a big part in it. No one's coming. And to there help was these a guys. storm during this because they could only go to the right Norwegian mm-hmm. base on that. They had like a very limited window. So you know what's really cool? I like about this. You saw how they all those chains were up. Did you notice those chains from building to building? Yeah. One of my favorite TV shows is Life Below Zero, and um, this one woman, uh, Sue Aikens, awesome. If you're listening, please come on the show. Um, she lives at a, um, a camp up in Kavik, up at the top of the North Slope up in Alaska. And it's so stormy up there. She has a set of buildings at her camp, but she runs chains and stuff mm-hmm. from building to building. So when it's literally blinding snow and you actually can't see, you hold on to those ropes and chains you made to get from building to building. So yeah. that was pretty interesting. They actually did that. But yeah. Yeah. I was very impressed uh, with the reality of yeah, the that, supernatural. That's, that's a real thing. That's yeah. a real thing. Um, now they're going outside a lot in like hoodies and like man-made synthetic parkas. You wouldn't last very long in that kind of temperature out there. So that part, whatever, but it's a movie. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. those goggles are probably freeze your face. Um, but anyway, it's, it's obviously very cold, but yeah, it, it's, and all, all this distrust that starts, right. You know, are you the thing? Is this guy worried about him? Where'd he go? I lost him. We didn't see him for an hour. What happened to him? We're locking this guy up away. Like in, like in cabin fever, when they lock up Karen in the shed and the dog eats her, right? It's awesome. But all, all that, that stuff is, is, is so what this is about. Right. And it's all dudes, right? There's no women and it's all dudes. And the only time you hear even a woman's voice is that stupid computer at the beginning, the chess game or whatever. You know who that is? Uh, Deborah Hill. I don't know. Uh, it's John no. Carpenter's <laughs> wife at the time, Antoinette, something that was not Carpenter. So it was not Deborah Hill then anymore. So Adrian Barbeau. Uh, I thought her name was Antoinette, <laughs> but it's totally possible it's Adrian, and I'm misremembering. I know I, he was. I know he was married to Adrian Barbeau. I don't know about her. I don't know any other. Um, I don't know the rest I'm of this. Look, I have, I still have it open. Yeah, I don't think Deborah Hill was in the picture at the time, but um, it could have been Adrian Barbo. Anyway, that's the only woman you ever hear from, right? It's it, it's all dude, it's all distrust, and it's it's just so like the erosion, right? One of my favorite movies of all time is The Blair Witch Project, and that movie's so much about distrust and erosion and then fear, right? And that's what this is too, and that's what makes it so great. But during all this, like you said, he, that character McReady has the ability to kind of just 
tune off like emotion, right? He doesn't care. So he yeah. just figures, okay, I'm just going to test the blood of everybody. Oh, that guy is a monster. I'm going to light him on fire with my blowtorch. He doesn't give a damn. It also reminded me a lot of, did you ever see Dreamcatcher? No. Reminds me of Dreamcatcher. Anyone listening out there that saw Dreamcatcher, you probably understand what I'm saying with this vibe though too. So this has become like a fan favorite and this is on a lot of top 10 lists actually through the years. Um, I think some people argue it, it might be a top five. I don't know that it's scary. It, I mean, you know, but it's, it's definitely gross and you know, the monsters are great and that stuff is really cool. And I mean, it is scary in the sense of where they are and what's happening and you know, what's going to happen to them. But um, yeah, it's, it, it, it definitely um, gives you that fear of being stuck somewhere. There's a wonderful film called the last winter um, that reminds me of this, that kind of stole from this. And it's, it's very scary. And it's maybe 15, 10 years, 10, 15 years old now, I think. Um, definitely should think about reviewing that one of these days. Watch that out there for you, though. So it's The Last Winter, I think it's called. But yeah, anyway, the, yeah, where, where it is, where it's happening, right? You know, if this happens somewhere in the city or a suburb or at a lab in a building in somewhere downtown, no one cares. It's not scary, right? This is scary because it's out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, that's what's kind of frightening about it. So that's what I really enjoyed about. Um, that's the overarching. So I didn't want to still your thunder on that but yeah that's that's kind of one of the things i thought of you are correct it is adrian barbeau adrian barbeau okay because she they got married after they did the fog in 1980 i think really i think so she's uncredited in this but i thought that was really interesting because she it is the only female voice one thing that i noticed this is a very different carpenter movie it doesn't look like his movies um, I think he had Dean Cundy as a cinematographer who did Halloween too, I think also, but it looks different. He, he still uses like the anamorphic. He, he was a big, like, you know, widescreen to get everything in the frame kind of thing. Space of what you don't see in the frame is what scares you. Like what makes Halloween so scary. This feels very different though. This film feels very different than those. Oh and yeah. He's not, he's not using his usual cast. Carpenter always used his people, right? like the fog it's like almost the whole damn cast of like halloween all over again right you know there's no jamie lee curtis there's nothing like that um this just feels very different i think this was i don't know the whole now i know there were some issues with this making this movie too uh there were some writing issues there were some directing issues there were a lot of things that um didn't go the way they wanted to um you, you may have more information on that but so that's what i think makes it different they didn't make, didn't make it look like, you know, the Carpenter stuff you'd seen before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting too, because you can tell he was nodding to other people that he respected in a mm-hmm. lot of the things, like even with um, the, the opening title, which you mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm with Halloween. So um, he actually tried to replicate um, the Howard Hughes film. So he added, um, so essentially they put the, the actual like title into a fish tank that they filled with smoke and placed in a, a really? garbage bag. And then they ignited the bag oh, wow. on fire, <laughs> which is so crazy to think about. So he was like doing a lot of things really intentionally, awesome. which I think is, <laughs> 
That's so one cool. of the reasons he loves this film so much or yeah. loved this film yeah. so much um, that he put so much like thought and so much of his own like things that he respected about other people into it, which is a really cool thing. And that's one of the reasons that I love scary mm-hmm. movies is that they nod to each other all the time. And it's it's just like fun when you can see it and you know that. Yes, yes. I I think this production was challenging. They shot this a lot of this in Alaska, and in um, uh, up in British Columbia, and I think they were in some kind of remote spots that were yeah. not easy to get to and shoot in. It was difficult. And they also shot part of it in L.A., um, so they had so to the refrigerate. Sets, yeah, so they. That. Yeah, and they had to add in like dehumidifiers because they had to get the breath and they had to get everything in there. Yes. That reminds me of like the way they had to um, build the exorcist sets where they had to take everyone out, turn the lights, well, set the lights where they needed to be, then take everyone out and turn on the air conditioning and then drop the set to 10 below zero and yeah. then turn the lights back on and get the actors back in quickly while it was still cold so the lights didn't heat everything up and shoot. Like it's – you know, LED now, you wouldn't have to worry about stuff like that. But these were old, old lights that were, you know, candle burn lit kind of things, gas lit, right? So, yeah, that was – that's hard, man. Yeah. 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 And it was over 100 degrees during that time period, which is just oh, crazy. Yeah. And the breath was so important that Kurt Russell actually smoked throughout the movie to get make sure that his breath was accurate with the cigarette smoke. He wasn't a smoker wow. at that time. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Yeah, those little things, especially something like that, because you know you need to feel that cold, right? Well, the I, I'm the audience. I, I need to feel that cold, right? Yeah. If, if 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 you're setting this in Antarctica or The Shining, where I need to see that breath, I I need to see that yep. to make this believable. So you got to do that right. You got to do that right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's. I mean, even with like the fire, all of that falls apart if it's not, if the mm-hmm. air isn't right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, that well, it was well done. Um, I mean, the monster stuff, of course, like you said, the time, was it a 22 year old kid was doing effects? I mean, that's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that's, I, I got to see what else this guy went on to do. Um, yeah, I'll send you his name afterward. But yeah, I think um, they had writing issues and, producing ish and things like that. Um, but they finally got to it, I guess. Um, cause he wanted to really make this, but, um, so what I wanted to, um, talk about though was, all right. Yeah. So, uh, the 2011 film, I never saw it. I, I kind of slept on this. I guess I just didn't care. I don't know, but this is actually a prequel, right? I don't want to, we all, we spoil movies so, on the show, but so I have not seen this. Have, have, have you seen this? So I started watching it. It's streaming on Netflix right now. And I started watching it. And I was like, listen, like we're Sarah, get real here. You are reviewing two movies with the scary movie project this week. And you have to go home and help your parents with some things. So, you know, (laughs) I started it and then I was like, you need to not, you need to not. (laughs) But what I did was I made Bard Google's AI Ah, dropping some AI in here. Yes. So I 
prompted with watch the 1982 and 2000 versions of the thing and write a comprehensive comparison. Yep. I want to know Good. what is the same and what is different between the two movies. Okay. How, how did Bard work out for you? I'm not used. I'm a chat GPT, so I, I haven't used that. So I am a, big fan of bard because it is search engine based so you can ask it to cite its sources oh um, nice. google's so, making a new thing by the way they say we'll kick G chat gpt's butt anyway oh, way off yeah way off their new search engine it's <laughs> bananas okay so here we go both right. films are based on the 19 this is the sim similarities list okay all right. Both films are based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? Who Goes There? That's the title, right? Okay. Uh, both films are set in Antarctica, involve a group of scientists who are attacked by a parasitic alien creature that can assimilate and imitate the other life forms. Both films feature scenes of graphic violence and body horror. Yes. Both films have a strong sense of paranoia suspense as the characters are forced to question who they can trust. Yep. And both films measure or feature a memorable final scene in which the creature is destroyed. Yes. Okay. Here are the differences. And this really blew my mind. Cause I, since I had start, I hadn't seen either of these movies. Um, so I had started watching the remake or the remake the 2011 mm -hmm. version mm -hmm. and then when i started the 20 or the uh, 1982 version i was like this is not like none of this is the same i don't understand and i was like immediately annoyed that it didn't line up um which is just you know usually i blame the remake on that and so that was why I did this. Okay, so here are the differences. The 1982 film is set in 1982, like yes. actually set in that year, yeah. um, while the 2011 film is set in 1979. Uh. The 1982 film has more practical effects-based approach to the creature, um, whereas, of course, it's CGI in the 2011. Sure. Well, and of the course, it's always... It's always cool when you see a movie that does try to do these practicals, but whatever. Yeah, no, and that's now. I mean, so you kind of like I I watched the first probably three scenes, like the first like 20 minutes, maybe max of the 2011 film. So for me, it's an of course, it's CGI. Yeah, yeah. It's it's clear when you watch it. Um, and I think it's actually pretty clear that it's not that it's practical in the 1982 um, while it's well done. It is right. just clear that it's not CGI. Um, so the 1982 film has a more ambiguous ending as it's left unclear whether the creature has been completely destroyed. Um, okay. Spoiler alert. After I already did it. And that's what we do here. Okay. <laughs> the we, remember, we, we ruin movies. We don't ruin books, though. We, were gonna we don't ruin books. So if you haven't read the short, I haven't read the short story to this, so that we won't ruin. We, we, oh, we, can't no. ruin, we can't ruin everything, right? No, we can't. No, we we take what we ruin very seriously. <laughs> yes. <here. laughs> um, so in the 2011 film, it has a more definitive ending as the creature is shown to be destroyed. Okay. Which I'm not sure how that works in prequel land, but I'm curious now. Well, uh, we're gonna um, find out. The callbacks between the two things 
were substantial in the very short period I watched. You might actually enjoy it. Um, The 2011 film introduces a new character, Kate Lloyd. Oh, yeah, there's a female, which I was like, and she's running it. She's like the boss in the 20 minutes I saw. Um, So she's a biologist who is sent specifically to investigate the creature. So they have found it on sonar. I mean, this is me telling you from what I saw. They have found Mm -hmm. it on sonar and they go like they try to pull it out of, you know, the big rectangular block of ice that they that you see in the thing. in the 1982 version of the thing. Um, they actually are pulling that out with a, it, it has more callbacks to the shining too, which was crazy. Love um, that. Yeah. So you might find this fascinating. Um, and it expands on the backstory revealing that it is an ancient alien that has been um, dormant in the ice for thousands of years. So here is Bard's synopsis. All right. Um, Overall, the two films are very similar in terms of their basic plot and themes. However, there are also some significant differences between them, such as the setting, the use of special effects, and the ending. Ultimately, both films are well-made and suspenseful horror films that offer their own unique take on the story of the thing. Do we need to do reviews anymore, or will AI just do these shows for us for now? (laughs) it's not the same you know uh okay that's very cool um i love how uh, i always do that too with one of these uh, i think i ask him they always is the last pair overall about it always gives a good recap i like that um all right so maybe i'll go and watch this 2011 i don't know i I don't know how i missed the fact that it wasn't like a remake that just i guess i didn't care you know and i just uh, so i didn't bother to pay attention i guess it's actually pretty well done i I'm okay. now I'm going to go watch it now that yeah. I like have time. Um, yeah. We could do a bonus episode for mm. your uh, people who are real With, fans. Of if everyone out there people. would love that, let us know. That is, we're, we're here to serve you, the people, of course. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that would be interesting. Um, all right, so so it's one of these rare, not rare, but one of these movies that has like three movies in it where um, you've got. A 1950s original you've got an 82 which is like the real deal one maybe yeah and then you've got yeah I'm trying to think of another film that i can think of it's like was did black christmas make like three versions of itself which they all stunk anyway but anyway um some of these movies sometimes they remake themselves over and over and over and i'm just like oh like he's evil dead sometimes too that i'm thinking okay enough is enough yeah but um yeah though this 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 film is is always up on those lists this is like a top 10 I, all the time people love it because just the gore and just the the monsters and i mean it's yeah it's you know few films do it right and you know this is 1982 right did you have a really good like gory light alien life form movie before this nope i don't think so no no you had like these 50s and 60s body snatcher movies that were lame and you had alien in 1979 but that was aliens not a violent gory movie it's a suspenseful scary very scary movie with a very, very terrifying monster, but not like this, right? Not like this. Um, this is almost like splatter horror in a way kind of thing. So that's what's really known for, right? Because it was it was kind of the first one to really do something like that. And I mean, look, John Carpenter, I mean, come on, he's the man, right? He's, he's yeah. the man. You know, he, you know, his name is above the title for a reason, as they say. These are his productions. He's so good. 
he's so adaptable. Like he's doing so much music now. I, I always hear about and stuff, and he's working oh. with Sun on that, and it's so cool, right? This was the first feature film he didn't score himself. Yeah, I don't believe he did this. Did he have one of these? Do you know who did the music for it? I feel like I've I looked heard it, but it up. I can't remember. And I read it earlier today. Italian, but Italian guy, I think. And I think he'd done some really cool stuff. The music is good. It's very like, um, sub- it's, it's not much to it, right? It's pretty simple, but it's really good. I really like it. It's very subtle stuff, um, but it works. It works really well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to do it. Oh, uh, oh God! I know why I didn't tell you who it was because I have no idea how to say this. Ennio Marcone. Oh, Ennio Marcone. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds familiar. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, he's he's done. Um, he did a lot. I think he did something. Okay, do you remember? Uh, you've seen Kill Bill. I hope, which is I hope you have yes. seen Kill Bill. Okay, oh, remember yeah. uh, when Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite directors. Yeah, those two movies are, are amazingly great. There's a great scene where uh I think it's the scene right before L or sorry, before Beatrix snatches L's eye out of her um in the trailer. And I think that's when that song is playing. I think that's that scene, but it could be also from the beginning of part two, the black and white recap when he comes in. And they come and they kill everyone at the church. I don't remember. It might be both. Anyway, um, that be I believe is Ennio. Ennio. I believe that's music from him there too, because he uses all that Italian stuff. So that's bad. Yeah, good. That's awesome. That's good. That's good. Yeah, he that's did Labyrinth. Trivia. Oh, Labyrinth is so amazing. That movie is so great. I'm they sorry. I'm, I of course had IMDb open. No, that's good. And we like this information. Ready to go here. Um, <laughs> His list is insane mm-hmm. of movies that he's yeah. done. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's oh, sad Italian that guys I... are great. Yeah. Um, okay. You want my final trivia? Uh, let's go. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Um, so um, apparently it is now a tradition that the British Antarctic research stations watch the thing as part of their midwinter <laughs> feast and celebration on June 21st. I think this is um, an absolutely terrible idea. Why do they do that? <laughs> you know, when I got idea. when I got dive certified, I watched Jaws in the middle okay, of my dive uh, certification. Like, you know what? On the uh, weekend uh, of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm anti that and anti watching this at a research base. I'm sorry. That's like, I'm going to go camping and watch Blair Witch Project tonight. Nope. Nope. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I, I don't I'm know. I'm gonna go stay at a hotel. I'm gonna go stay at a hotel by myself and watch The Shining. Nope. <laughs> Philippe had never seen Jaws. He it was just a travesty. I referenced it so many times when I came home, and I just needed him to see it, and that meant we watched you know what? it. Ah, uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I okay. <laughs> I love the, I, I love the fact they do it, and they they I, that's really cool. But I just wow, no way. <laughs> Nah. Okay, so the day after shooting the scene with the flamethrower, um, where they like burn which, the whole thing one? down, the one <laughs> where they one? burn everything down okay. at like the end. Um, right. Kurt Russell, I love this because you know I am a big practical joker. In 
situations where everyone feels good afterward because that is the <laughs> that is the That's important the part of practical jokes. Yeah. It cannot be things that make people feel well time, <laughs> well time. Yes. Um, so he actually played a practical joke on John Carpenter, and he covered his head and face <laughs> with bandages and pranked him that he got burned. <laughs> Why do I feel like I've seen a photo of this before? I think I maybe have seen this. Okay. Sounds familiar. Did it work? Did he get it? Uh, apparently it really did. Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome. Good job. Okay, so Good job. the producers um, attribute the film's box office performance, which was really disappointing and, as yeah, we mentioned, bad. hurt John Carpenter's yeah. heart a lot, um, that people at that moment – wanted a benign interpretation of alien presence on earth because Steven Spielberg's ET, the extraterrestrial had come out yeah. several weeks before, and which I think kind of gives you a, an idea of like, well, that, that break. sucks obviously. And you go against a guy some guy named Steven Spielberg, you're probably in trouble, but didn't I also hear that it opened up the same time Blade Runner did. So it's like, you're just yes. screwed, dude. You picked a and terrible Blade time Runner to, to start your movie. Yeah. Wow, Blade Runner had luck. a terrible box office premiere as well for the same reason was part it's, of what I yeah. was looking into. That's so interesting. Yeah, I well, can't believe yeah. Blade Runner came out then. I like that blew my mind too. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is crazy too, and I should have done the conversion. I did not to today's okay. money, but this film's right. budget was fifteen million dollars, which to do for all reference, of that with the snow and everything. For reference, Friday the 13th, which was 1980, was a $700,000 yeah, budget. Yeah, for nothing. Nothing. And Halloween in 1978 oh, even less. was even less. 375000 yeah. yeah, not even half a million. Just for enough. like reference on how insane that is. And for a horror uh, movie, that was uh, um, larger than the average of all time. Yeah, well, they had a main going to these locations and, I mean, God, just the cost of, you know, being getting to those places. My God. Yeah. So, yeah, but well, well worth it because it, it paid off. I mean, you, you do feel like you are in there. You don't feel like you're watching some, you know, poorly built set somewhere. It's 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 done well. It is. It's I could well. not believe it was in L.A. I was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> well done. It really was. It was it was really well done. Yeah, th this is definitely, you know, th this is a classic film, right? So. Um, I hadn't seen it in a minute and I watched it again. It was fun to watch. It was, it's like a fun movie to see, like is gross and, and gnarly and, you know, um, yeah, it definitely makes you think twice about being in a, definitely don't want to be in an empty, uh, research base for a while. And not that I ever was going to one anyway, but I certainly don't want to go to one now. So yeah. more, yeah. more of today's story. Stay away from Antarctic research bases. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. People. I can't stress that enough. Would you ever go to Antarctica? Uh, I would go, but I have to go. Um, I couldn't do the. Um, I have to take the. Uh, I have to take the. Um, what is it? There's two ways. You can take the um, like the military plane, or you can go through the Drake Passage. I can't do boats yeah. and ships and 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 water. So I that have was. To take the, that I was wondering. <laughs> I was like, could you do yeah. the Drake Shake? If no, you... no, there's there's no there, there there's zero percent chance that would ever happen. Um, so I would have to take the plane, which is fine with me, but I'd like to go. Yeah, it would, I bet it'd be really cool. I bet it'd be really cool. So I would probably totally not do happen. it. Yeah. But, oh yeah. It's like $8,000 to take the cruise. But, um, anyway, 
Yeah. Not um, that I've looked into it or anything. No, I mean, it's one of those cool travel things to do. So you can climb uh, what's there with the mountain on, you can be part of the eight summits or seven summits or whatever it is. So anyway, way off topic. The thing, it was great. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you guys know what the deal is. You know where to find us, rate us, like us. Tell us if you would visit an Antarctic research base. I'd love to hear if you have. You know what? If you have, I'd like to hear it. Tell us your story. Send us your photos. Did you see penguins? Did you see uh, life forms that looked like you? Maybe if, if so, oh I hope God. you got. I hope you hope you got out alive. Um, we'd like to hear those things. Um, but uh, yes, thank you for listening, Sarah. What about our, our wonderful fans? Where where can they find everything they need to know about you as well? Ah, uh, you can probably find me the easiest way probably most applicable is laughing with gingers where we share lots of trivia and play games and um and matt likes to come and visit us periodically and be a guest there too i will be a guest when i'm in what do they say when you're invited somewhere go do it right so i'm gonna i'm gonna be on the show i'm gonna be on any show you need me to be i'm there so we unless i'm visiting antarctic unless i'm visiting an antarctic research base which will not be happening so don't worry <laughs> but anyway Thank you for this episode and thank you everyone for listening and um, we'll see you next time. And um, remember baby alligators may seem like a great pet at first, but then they grow up. The scary movie project podcast. Learn more at the scary movie Welcome to the all eighties movies podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.